When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to High Speed Stuff. We've got auto editor Scott Benjamin here with me, Ben Bolin. And uh, Scott, I had a couple questions for you today. All right, bring them on. I love it. I, I would love to yeah. ask you, you know, <laughs> we've got this symbiosis going on. Uh-huh. Uh so we've heard a lot recently uh, about the bailout in, in the U.S., you oh, know, yes. yeah. uh, first banks and then uh, some other companies and then automakers. Mm-hmm. And with right. that, they, there came a lot of questions uh, mm-hmm. about uh, the auto industry itself. And the bailout's already been kind of covered in one of our partner podcasts, Stuff You Should Know, mm-hmm. which we never get tired of plugging. That's right. And uh, what I thought we could talk about specifically here is the future of U.S. automakers after this? Oh, what what can they do to remain competitive? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, a lot of things they can do to be competitive. It's all just you know our own take on this. I mean, we can talk about this all day. I think every form of media is doing this right now, trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do in order to completely restructure themselves in order to be mm-hmm. competitive. Um, so you know, whatever we talk about, we'll have to be kind of uh, you know just. Our own ideas, our own our thoughts. Our speculation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. it doesn't even have to be all of our thoughts. Just, you know, whatever top of the head, you know, whatever mm-hmm. whatever comes to the top of mind, I guess. Okay, yeah, and hopefully it sounds good. Don't worry. I will back you up, and, and we'll, <laughs> we right. cannot overemphasize <laughs> the fact that this is this is our opinion. And uh, here on High Speed Stuff, I, I don't know about you, Scott, but it seems like uh, at least I prefer that we focus on the nuts and bolts, you yeah, know. Yeah, let's do that. So yeah. we won't. Talk about the people side of this whole thing. No health care, no that's, unions, that's none right. of that. None of the uh, management, any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not going to mention any of that, really. Let's just talk about you know, just nuts and bolts, what we are uh, mm-hmm. what what we can do. The mechanics. Yeah, yeah. And then, again, just these are some thoughts, random thoughts. So uh, you want to just get into it? Yeah, hit me. Right. What's right. number one? Well, I don't know if we can go even one, number one, two, three, or anything like that. We'll just mm-hmm. get, they weigh, don't give them any weight. Okay. But uh, speaking of weight, <laughs> uh, we, can, we can talk about um, battery technology. All right, yeah. Uh, that's a big one. Um, yeah. Battery technology. We're seeing a lot of electric cars now. 
frankly, I think we're falling behind in uh, in electric vehicle production or even, you know, just, just outright battery production, you know, what, what we can yeah. do to improve that area. One thing that strikes me is battery weight reduction. I mean, I know we're working hard. We've got a lot of labs right now that are working very hard sure. on, on developing batteries, and I'm, from what I know, there's been a lot of success. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not knocking that, you know, we're, we're not trying and that, you know, we're not doing actually doing quite well. The problem is... And this is not just U.S. automakers. This is worldwide, really. But okay. we need to work on battery weight reduction. Um, and I don't honestly know how much lower they can go. However, you know, I'll tell you some numbers that might astound you. Throw some numbers. All right. All-electric vehicle, uh-huh. uh, it's not that uncommon for an all-electric vehicle to have a battery that weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 pounds. 1,000 a, a yeah. pounds? 1,000 pounds. That's yeah, U.S. pounds. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a huge battery. Yeah. yeah, that is huge. That's that's an enormous weight, and you're talking about a car that weighs you know twenty six hundred, yeah, you know, three thousand pounds, whatever. Um, that's a third of the entire vehicle weight dedicated to strictly the battery. That's the propulsion unit. So um, logically, then a third of the energy the battery is producing is just a move itself. Yeah, that's right, just carrying itself down the road. I don't know. That doesn't seem too efficient. Well, I agree. I mean, the batteries, you know, the batteries are getting, you know, it's mm. decent distances. Now, we mm. talk about um, the, well, the Tesla Roadster. That's a good example. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Tesla Roadster, that's kind of an expensive car right now. It's, right. Uh, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, $110,000 or something like that. Mm. It's very expensive, but it's an all-electric vehicle, um, very fast. It's kind of a sports car version right. of, you know, of an electric vehicle. It gets 245, or sorry, 244 miles per charge is what the site said. Oh, that's nice. And but then again, the batteries weigh. I think they said somewhere around 992 pounds. So imagine the performance of this car that gets. Um, I think it's zero to sixty in 3.9 seconds. So imagine, wow. imagine if they took away some of that weight. If they took, if they cut that battery weight in half, the performance that vehicle would get, mm-hmm. and it probably would get even better. Uh, you know, miles per charge rating than, than right. uh, 244 because you know again it's it's the weight is holding it back i had no idea yeah 1000 1, pounds huh mm-hmm, that's right yeah and so i mean when, you, when you're saying that you know that's not only unco- that uncommon either and that's that's the lithium-ion batteries too okay um there are concept cars that use uh you know the lead acid batteries that right. come out of your you know typical car like what we have now you've have you ever lifted a battery out of your car yes okay that's probably I don't know. It depends on the kind of vehicle you have, but, you know, 20 pounds, maybe even 30, 35 pounds, mm-hmm. depends on mm-hmm. what it is, if it's a truck or what. That weight is, is significant. And if you're, if you're talking about taking, you know, 15 of those or 16 or 20 of those batteries and stringing them together and using that as your battery source, uh, you're still talking six or 700 pounds of weight. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is. That's it's crazy. So, um, you know, a way to reduce that battery, uh, you know, might yeah. be a good way to, to look at this. Um Again, I don't even know if that's possible or not, but it sounds like, you know, a good area to target. It's like necessity yeah, sure. is going to compel people. Yeah, okay, sure. so that, that sounds like, again, these are in no particular order, mm. but that, that sounds like a really good point, it's on, especially if it's a worldwide question. Yeah. Whoever whoever answers that competently is going to change the automotive game. Huh? Oh, I think so. If you're, yeah. if you're uh, you know, you enter, enter the market with a 500-pound battery versus a 1,000-pound battery, yeah. uh, you know, why wouldn't you do that? All right. Well, what's uh, what's what's next uh, uh, well, after batteries? I, I guess another thing that we've talked about is lightweight materials. Oh, um, I yeah. think the the greater use of lightweight materials for efficiency purpose, mm. and not just efficiency, but also for uh, safety. Mm. Now, 
may sound like that contradicts itself, you know, light, lightweight and safety, but uh, carbon fiber is, is stronger and safer than steel. Hold on just a yeah. second, Scott. Yeah. We got to talk to the listeners. When you mention carbon fiber, mm-hmm. I know, I know this, is, this is one of the big things. Mm-hmm. You seem very calm right now. I don't know if you're getting ready to get fired up <laughs> for the sermon. I'm almost ready to stand up. Yeah. You yeah. guys, Scott thinks that carbon fiber and lightweight materials may be, and I quote, the answer. Is that right? Uh, that is right. I do. All I right, really well, do. I think, but it would take a, a large scale change, but uh, that would work. Yeah. 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 It definitely reduces our, uh, you know, our foreign oil dependency. That's for sure. Well, exactly what, what makes it safer and where would these materials be used in a vehicle? Well, it's safer. It's light, it's lighter weight and it's stronger. Okay. Um, now, I guess one area that we've talked about before is Formula One racing. That's, yes. that's what I keep coming back to that because one of the main reasons that that's used, it's not just for um, speed purposes. It's used for safety purposes. They won't allow them to have a steel body on those cars because you know they're crashing at 200 miles per hour. They want um, something that's going to destroy itself in order to save the occupant, and that's what carbon fiber does. It's, it's, uh, it gives itself up, I guess. Uh, it becomes kind of a... Uh, uh, a better buffer than steel would be, okay. and you're not trapped in this uh, mangled piece of metal. Um, you know, the carbon fiber is, if it's designed correctly, if it's done its job correctly, it's yeah. destroyed itself, and you're safe. What's stopping U.S. automakers right now? What would they need to do to use these materials? Biggest, uh, biggest hurdle right now is cost. Biggest okay. hurdle, and now. I know I, that's a terrible thing to bring up right now because that's exactly what we're talking about: is that they need they need to be profitable, they need to make money. Mm. How could they possibly spend a lot of money on something like this right now? The answer is they they probably can't. You know, it takes money in order to uh, develop this technology to get it to the point where we can mass produce it. But once they do, and once they figure it out, and the cost comes down, that has this snowball effect with efficiencies elsewhere, and you know the way we can reduce costs in other areas. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is wise to invest a lot of money in that right now, and, and look into that, and give it uh, give it its due. I guess you know figure yeah. out figure out just how to do it, and uh, and recognize the savings elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so you you spend money up front, you save money on the back end. Uh, you know, in other ways. Look at a net. Net gain. Yeah, kinda. I mean, if if a manufacturer were to develop one of these cars right now, you know, the, uh, figure out a way to mass produce carbon fiber, figure out a way to make their cars super efficient. Imagine if some, you know, let's say GM, Chrysler, Ford, one of the one of those companies came up with a vehicle that, you know, they could say, hey, we've got this new vehicle, looks a lot like the old uh, Ford Escort or you uh, know, yeah. or uh, you know, the Caliber, Dodge Caliber, whatever. However, it's going to get 250 miles per gallon. Sold. Yeah. That's can right. Get, I mean, can we get a kaching on yeah, that? That's right. That's it'd be it'd be, be a little bit you know more expensive maybe to buy because of the materials right now. But mm-hmm. you know, as time goes on, just like we've seen with other technologies, the the price comes down, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, with with the efficiency that this this type of material can uh, can, can allow us, um, I think it, I think it could uh, it could happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's go even let's go even more uh, hypothetical here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Uh, because right now we're just two guys talking on a podcast mm-hmm. about what we think would be good ideas. But let's <laughs> yeah, that's say, easy, isn't it? That's yeah, that's pretty part. easy. Yeah, we that's got pretty an easy. easy part. Let's yeah. make it at least a thought experiment, more more uh, hypothetically immediate. Okay. So uh, you are in charge of one of the big three. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter which. You can pick pick all three if you want. And it's your first day, cost is no object. You have godlike power within the confines of this corporation <laughs> your word is law what would you change 
I would, I would, I would take a very hard look at the assembly line production, uh, the actual production of the vehicles, and see how things are uh, how things are happening right now. Okay. And um, I know that's been done, and I don't want to downplay this in any way because I've, I've been in assembly factories before, mm-hmm. um, of all kinds, engine assembly, uh, final assembly plants where they actually put the cars together, and you know the final product rolls off the line. Mm. They're actually running a pretty tight ship there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there are areas, sure, there are areas that can be, you know, tightened up a little bit, but for the most part, you know, they've they've refined these quite a bit. I mean, they're they're conscious of, uh, you know, that we can't have the waste that you know once was there. Right. Okay. Uh, so so let me get that out of the way and say that you know I think that I think that they're actually running very well right now. However, if they were to just, I guess, is the way to say it, macro manage or you know just take a real careful look at every little bit of that line mm, and okay. figure out you know where can you just shave off little costs here and there time time's money yeah. um you know how can you make that vehicle just that much more efficient uh, actually produce that vehicle that much more efficient okay so uh, maybe maybe then more micromanaging cost of like of what pennies at a time, My, you know? yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, micromanaging. That's yeah. it. That's is it. that the one? Did I say it? Did I say it wrong? I probably said it backwards. Oh, Anyways, that's it. That's all right. Whatever you knew what I meant. I mean, you <laughs> need to take a very careful look. I, I think I did say it backwards. Um, so actually, we were talking about this not long ago, and you had an example. This this is what kind of sparked this idea What's in my that? head. You had mentioned something that you had seen or heard. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. I- Ikea, right? Yeah, Ikea, definitely. Yeah, well, um, enlighten that, me. That's where uh, we, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Ikea warehouses uh, in some parts of the world uh, purportedly do not have lights because they are entirely automated <laughs> and the robots that haul these things do not need uh, things that our, our human anatomy requires, such as light and heat. Ah, see, I find that fascinating because yeah. they, they've really they've thought about this so carefully that why you know why would that that area need to be lit? Why would they have to heat that area? Why would they have to cool that area in the summertime? Mm. Uh, the only reason they do that is for what? For the for the people. Well, the product, right? Oh. The product. They would have yeah, to do okay. it for the product okay. in order to keep it there. But mm. otherwise, yeah, for the people. You know, right now that's a, that's a major concern, of course. I mean, in the factories we've got, you know, auto factories. You've got people working alongside of robots. Okay. So the different areas, it's not necessarily one giant factory that you know can be entirely automated and, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. You've got people that are there too, and people maintaining that machinery. So it's a little tricky in that that sense. But um, you actually made me think about this very uh, very carefully, and I was thinking, what can I, what can I, how could how could this work? And it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe certain areas of the fact because these factories are enormous, they're huge right, places. Yeah. Maybe they do back down the lights in the area that you know that, that are robotic operated, and mm. you know if somebody has to go in to maintain them, sure you turn the lights on, or you uh, you know they bring their own illumination with them. You know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that if that's you know a good solution or not, but you know, these are things to think about. Yeah, there are just there are a lot of ways that you know you can get around these things. Mm. I mean, if if you take your IKEA IKEA example and you know extrapolate that to the auto manufacturers, I think that some of those thoughts could work and i'm sure that there's a dozen other examples of you know ways that mm-hmm. um machinery and people and um you know factories like that can uh they can be optimized i guess yeah and it's it's i guess it, you have to take a a historical and historical perspective on mm-hmm. this when you really consider that the american auto industry is really the birthplace of this kind of assembly line efficiency yeah that's right the, that uh, we're talking about yeah, yeah the model t assembly line yeah the, yeah. the very first assembly production line that was uh was 
ever thought of sure. um, um, for, for something like a car right there in Detroit. Right. And that's where the big three are, and they're uh, they're trying to figure out right now how to restructure and, and yeah. turn this thing around. How to go back to the to the roots of that, even. I guess, yeah. yeah but right. but ultimately, of course, it sounds like the the root of our original question here, our original speculation, mm-hmm. uh, is is ultimately hinging on the end result, the product when it's in this when it's in the dealership, mm-hmm. when it's on the road, being competitive. Of course, is is going to ultimately be defined as having a number one selling vehicle. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you think about the products? Oh, you're reading my mind, Ben, because uh, <laughs> products, we've got to come out with new products. Yeah. That's one important thing to remember is that this, this thought of having reactionary products, um, you know, that, you know, oh, well, the, the market's turning to hybrid cars. We've we got to figure out how to get hybrid cars out on the road. Okay. Um, yeah. You, you can't think like that. It's almost like you have to you have to have the forethought or you have to know that it's coming that trend is coming mm-hmm. this is very tricky this is really tricky this I is imagine, the hardest yeah. this is the hardest because if you could if you could do that if you could look into a crystal ball and decide that you know the, what's the next big thing mm-hmm. why not just build it you can't do that but yeah the, the, the key is to not having reactionary products or rather you have innovative products that involves some risk um, you have to come to market with things early that may or may not be accepted. You know, if they are accepted, great. Maybe it'll catch on. Maybe it will be the next big thing. If they're not accepted, then that's a failure, and you know, you've wasted. Um, well, in the auto industry, that could be millions of dollars in development. I see. So um, it's a big risk. It's not like you know you can just take out a you know, I, I don't know, a few thousand dollars and, sure. and make this work. It, it's you were talking significant investment to develop right. these ideas fully because you don't want to come to the market with a. A product that's not well tested, well designed. You know, you want it to to look polished when it gets to uh, you know wherever it's going to be shown. It's it's a big risk, but you know mm-hmm. it's a risk that maybe they have to take a little more often now. Um, that you know they they kind of try to get on the forefront of technology and, and take right. these leaps. Scott, I I I think I get what you're saying there because in our type of business, you know the the equivalent of introducing a new product would be a meeting where we say, hey, I think this would be a good idea for an article or a yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's right. There's not much risk there, is there? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never heard of an article yeah. that needed millions of dollars <laughs> in setup. But um, when when we talk about this, when we talk about these these new products, you know, you, you read about this heavily. You're our expert on this. Do you have any you have any draft picks for things that you would like to see a new product have a, well, a new vehicle? I you know honestly, cost is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the average price of a car I think I read recently is somewhere in the neighborhood of like twenty eight thousand or twenty nine thousand dollars for an average new new vehicle. Um, that's that's U.S. dollars, not yeah, not Zimbabwe. Right. Yeah, dollars. that's right. That's that's significant. And um, yeah, I'm not talking pesos. That's twenty nine thousand dollars. <laughs> So get that, you know, if that cost can come down, and I know that's, again, that's a tough thing to say because, mm-hmm. you know, you hear you're fighting, you know, all these built-in costs that are already already there when the vehicle's made. Mm-hmm. Um, we said we weren't going to talk about any of that, so I'm not going to, but uh, <laughs> there, there are reasons that there are costs already ahead of time when that vehicle's made. And then, of course, there's production costs, material costs, et cetera, delivery costs dealer markup you know all that stuff there's a lot of loss before you get to the profit yeah that's right and they don't want vehicles sitting around the lots either but one thing that uh, you had mentioned to me actually this in the past and i thought it was a good idea ultra low price vehicles or you know kind of uh, no frills vehicles which may be kind of an interesting idea uh, and i don't know if that's really something that we could 
maybe not in this country, but I, 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 don't, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if it would really even work. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, it's not really a vehicle that they would make a lot of profit on, mm-hmm. uh, which is, of course, the you know the goal. Yeah, uh, that's why SUVs were so popular for so long. Sure, or, or actually, they made so many is what I should say, <laughs> because <laughs> right. you know the profit margins were huge on those vehicles. So something like this, you know, they may sell more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be a different, well, it's an entirely different demographic to uh, to sell to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they made a vehicle that was $5,000 brand new from the factory, or if it was $7,000 brand new from the factory, even just anything under ten, I know there are a few that are under ten. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not many. Yeah. Uh, but if they made something in the five or $7,000 range, and let's say that it was safe, um, you know, it had all the airbags, it had all of the safety features, the safety glass, the, uh, you know, all the, the structural mm-hmm. uh, necessities to make it safe. But it had less frills. Uh, it didn't have a radio. Didn't have um, you know yeah. floor mats. It didn't okay. have um, maybe it didn't have a full instrument cluster. Maybe it had you know just a speedometer, okay, um, and a fuel gauge. You know just really the basic necessities. You didn't have any power, power windows. windows. <laughs> yeah, power windows and power doors and uh, there's no sunroof or there's no um, you know rearview mirror that tints when sure. uh, the high beams hit it. No separate air conditioning. Yeah, that's right. Zones. Yeah, but you would have but you would have air conditioning because that's a comfort feature that probably you wouldn't want to give up. I don't think um, a lot of people wouldn't buy a car without AC. No, probably not. I mean, yeah. I guess it depends on your climate, but most people wouldn't at this mm-hmm. point. My point is that you make them really, really simple. You know, you don't mm-hmm. include floor mats. You know, let them, I, if you want floor mats, you buy your own that are, you know, $30 sure. or $25. It's kind of a crazy idea, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But I think there's, there may be a market for a $5,000 new vehicle. I think I think that's a really, really good point. I mean, it would completely change the business model, right? Oh, sure. And, uh, of course, I don't know anything about car manufacturer business business models but mm-hmm. I, I imagine it would change it just based on the on the price point mm-hmm. but it seems like it would really nail a, a demographic right now that is sort of corralled into buying lemon used cars yeah that's right I you mean know? I'm one that buys used vehicles I buy cars that are two years old or something like that that's at the point where they're supposed to be not the... necessarily a lemon though no no not a, not a lemon but <laughs> um, you know used vehicles I'm just mm-hmm. not in the market for a new ve- new vehicle right now I just the cost prohibitive at this yeah, point yeah, it's for me. And, um, you know, if I saw something brand new from the factory that I could afford that's, uh, you know, I guess reasonably safe, well, that is safe, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I know that I could customize to the way I wanted to if I chose to do that, mm-hmm. um, sure, I would do that. But, you know, I guess it'd be nice to have that option. And I think a lot of people, you know, students might appreciate that. It'd be great for, you know, I know maybe not everybody, but, you know, a lot of parents buy kids kind of a, a a vehicle. They, yeah. they want them yeah. in something safe, and they want them, you know, something that's dependable. And something replaceable. Yeah, that's right. Something <laughs> replaceable, I guess. And, you know, it's it's funny to say, but I guess $5,000 is about the range that most people would be willing to spend on a car, maybe mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Um, my first car was a lot less than that. <laughs> a used <laughs> piece of junk. But um, I think if, you know, you could get a $5,000 car, great. So that's... I think that's that's a good point for us to to end up here. Mm-hmm. A uh, a battery that doesn't weigh thousands of pounds, mm-hmm. a uh, much lighter frame, and and a, a lighter components wherever they can be lighter. Wherever the body, the frame. Yeah, yeah. Metal and where it has to be, though. Metal where it has to be, and uh, a little bit more efficiency on on the production side where possible. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just res- refine it. Refine resulting it. in a car from let's say five to seven thousand dollars. Mm, yeah, I, that's ideally. Not, well, that's that's that was kind of an afterthought. The five thousand dollar car. I mean, that's just yeah. kind of another another thing. But uh, the the product definitely has to change. Remember, the idea is that we want to have 
new innovative products, not mm. reactionary products. Okay, and, and so, so be yeah. on the on the leading edge of that because that's where the sales are. Which I guess does, as you as you pointed out earlier, does uh, encompass a lot of risk. But fortune, in many circumstances, favors the bold. Mm-hmm. And, that's right. Uh, yep, you have to uh, have to take that risk. Take the leap. Scott, you know what? These recommendations for cars that, that you've given us, uh, they kind of they kind of make me want to buy this car. It's a, it's well, a shame it doesn't exist yet. I have, I have a million more recommendations. You want to hear them? I would. No. <laughs> <laughs> not right now, though, right? Oh, yeah. not right now? Yeah, yeah. That's just a few that I was thinking of anyways, kicking around. Oh, yeah? yeah. Well, while Scott and I are catching up on that, for anyone who wants to learn more about auto manufacturers, the future of automobiles, or autos in general, please check out our channel on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.